Migration. What is the feeling that you get when you hear the word migration? Do you think that we should encourage migration or that we should prevent it instead? And what do you think about the regulations uh, for migrants in the Netherlands? Are there too many? Or do you think it's, it's good that there are so many? These are some questions that uh, we're going to discuss today. And the topic of this episode uh, of our podcast is about migration. This is because we are doing an honors program and our iLab is, uh, has the topic of empowerment through entrepreneurship. And we chose to do it about migrant entrepreneurs. So who are we? Hello, everyone. I'm Janneke. Hi, I'm Chiara. And our two lovely guests at the organization for the honors program, Kim van Gein. My name is Kim van Gein. I have been a program coordinator of the Outreaching Honors program for 10 years now. So I'm very honored to be part of this program. And besides coordinating this program, I also teach at Tilt University. And very importantly, I'm also a mother of two wonderful daughters. And there's linkages between all components of my work. I'm Anna Meiknecht. I've been a coordinator of the program, I think, uh, three years. And I've been working at the university for 25 years already. And uh, But I, I love working with students. Working with uh, honors students is something uh, very valuable in, in addition to my work teacher as a, the law faculty. That is an additional perspective. And, and also because it is interdisciplinary, yeah, we work with students from all faculties uh, in the honors program. So could you maybe uh, explain a bit more what the honors program is exactly? Outreaching Honors Program was uh, financed originally uh, by the Ministry of Education and Wellbeing, and we uh, got a subsidy uh, awarded, uh, which lasted for five years and was matched by Tilburg University itself, um, empowering students to achieve excellence. And then per institution, it was um, an option to define your excellence and outreaching was defined by impacting society. So the Tilburg University model of understanding society um, was included in this vision to empower you to really uh, make an impact and, and contribute to society at large. So 10 years ago, we had a two-year uh, program focusing on uh, the second and third year of bachelor uh, studies, but also um, were open for all students from all schools, meaning that you had a very interdisciplinary approach already from the very beginning. And we evolved from a me focus, so personal development towards a me in a setup of a team, and then also a focus more on the societal uh, embedding and also um, impacting society. So sustainability and uh, topics like that became more important. Um, and then two years ago, we switched the program to a one-year program, um, uh, focusing on three pillars, collaborative interaction, leadership, and social entrepreneurship. And these three pillars uh, were already present in the old program, but now are more uh, clearly defined. And um, uh, another change was also that we are focusing on iLabs as a centerpiece. iLab is a work form in which students do a case project and have a, an outcome that's not defined yet. So uh, a lot of learning and a lot of experience in there. 
uh, this ILAP is the focus point, and then there's modules uh, at their own um, pick and choose menu format. And um, another uh, change in our program is the fact that we're open to all levels of uh, universities. So also PhD candidates are welcome um, to outreaching. Okay, so you don't have different um, roles in it. You both do everything together, or? Well, I think Kim loves uh, financial. Uh, <laughs> I think we, we both pick up what what needs to be done. I I am may, maybe a bit more. Um, I try to keep in touch also with the, the ILAP supervisors and uh, coordinate is the, the, the ILAPs a bit. So that's maybe my task a bit more, but. In general, we uh, coordinate it together. Um, what do you both feel like is the uh, most important part of the honors program? I think the inclusion of the like-minded, and in this also the diversity of you know like-minded. It does not need to be groupthink. You know, you can have different opinions, but then um, a, a general feeling of openness, proactivity engagement um yes that's i think the most important uh element so connection on the like-mindedness well i think it's also a opportunity to offer students a bit more than well the the the, the general curricula at the, at the, at the study um and um to develop students and to give them the opportunity to explore and themselves their their, their own abilities their own skills uh, develop a network um yeah in a, in a safe environment because it's still not real life but it, it's a, it is i think a good preparation for further further life that's yeah at some point it's a co-creation with the students if students have a nice idea or or something they want to develop there is room for that and, and we can support that we can even have some funding if needed so that's something really want to not something top down that we we provide all the information and all the courses and, and etc but this is something we can develop together with the students students are involved in the research project from from scratch so also with the setup of the project and so also with all the frustrations and disappointments of a research project that some things you some parts will not well work out the way you you imagined or, or thought in the beginning and that's also a learning process yeah so that's also an element that you that's also what you will have will happen in in real life later on. I also working in a group in a team. You have this experience, so when you really have to work together in a research project, well, you have different characters, uh, people with different agendas, uh, different uh, abilities, different skills, etc. You have to deal with that uh, in in your group. And we have also the group coaches. If there's something really go wrong, or if you need some help, you can also. Uh, they also provide you with some coaching in that respect. But I think that's also part of a process and you can learn a lot from that. Like what our mentor CK also says, like we are the drivers in our yeah. program. Nice. Yeah. Um, so we're doing the iLab. It's called um, Empowerment for Entrepreneurship. And indeed, it's the first time that this iLab uh, is going on. So that's for us really nice. Um, also can be a bit hard. So we wanted to talk a bit about the process of an iLab. Mm -hmm. so for example, like how do we start off? 
Yeah, so I want to explain that a little further. Um, at the beginning, because this is the first year we uh, started this iLab, and at the beginning it was a little bit difficult because uh, we have a lot of freedom and we didn't uh, not yet know which direction we wanted to go. But then we realized that it was actually a good thing because then we can really uh, use our own creativity and um, our own ideas to, uh, to see how we want to fill this iLab in. So uh, the first milestone that we had was the roundtable with the IOM, which is the International Organization of Migration. And then we uh, had the opportunity to present our infographics, which we are making currently. And uh, these are like um, documents with a lot of information presented with images. So it's like uh, easy for broad audience to understand. And um, we got a lot of tips and advice from IOM about the topic. Now we are, of course, making a podcast to make sure that a more uh, broad audience is uh, aware about what we are doing. And because we think it's a really um, important topic to bring in the attention. Next thing we're planning to do is interviewing migrants. So now we are really busy with like desk research, but of course we also want to know if um, migrants do this, feel the same way about it. And therefore we want to have interviews with them and um, have more of a field research. So we are really excited about, excited about that part. Yeah, and then about the group itself, I think we're really all driven students like Anna and Kim also said, because we're all doing this voluntarily besides our study programs. And therefore you can see that we all wanna make the best out of it. And yeah, we all really, uh, we are working really hard to, to get a good result in this project. Um, how do you see that with like a new uh, project starting? Like for us, it was really uh, new. So we had to think of everything that we had to do and like also a direction, like what yeah. was really gonna go on. Do you see that more? Yes, all the time. So mm -hmm. over, over the last cohorts, we've seen always students struggling with reinventing the wheel because that sounds um, very improductive, right? So if there is already a wheel, you should have some manuals um, helping you to do this effective and efficient. However, there is so much um, in between reinventing this wheel which is called learning as well so it's a really fine balance and and this is what we constantly are looking for so um if it's if it's too much um of a, a finding out and struggle to get to where you want to head it's not good but if it's too little there's not it's not good either so finding this optimal balance with you know uh, leaving room for the not knowing, for the where's room for a new insight, uh, where on the other hand, supporting you and empowering students, I mean, so um, empowering the learning, also in connection with supervisors and ex external partners, because I think this is a growth process and, and also in a spiraling up and of course, uh, potentially also spiraling down. And that's one of the uh, elements of outreaching. So you also um, spiraling down it could be an element where you 
are all demotivated and you have to get out of it. So this real life struggle to turn things around, um, you've probably seen in your iLab as well. Yeah, definitely. And um, what I saw personally was that people are very used to having like a structured course and teachers telling them what to do and what yeah. to learn. And it's very different from like this program because you have to yeah stand up yourself and as a group figure out what you want to do. Yeah, but in the end, most of the groups really succeed and, and they really have nice, interesting outcomes or end results. And, and they have, a, uh, from inside, they are really well happy also with the, well, overcoming the, pro the problems and the issues. And that they, in, in the end, they manage it also as a group to, to get to the, to get a nice uh, result. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, a nice learning process, I think, uh, also for us as supervisors. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a nice anecdote. So in graduation, we, we call our cohorts C1 for the first and C2 for the second. So we're currently at C10. Um, but C1 had in their graduation ceremony um, the word proactivity. So you go after what you want to go. So this proactivity mentioned the most times in there so they noted themselves so in every speech there was proactivity and self-direction and everything like that and we stressed this and for c2 it was vagueness so these two elements were just uh addressed by you as well so these are you know the first two cohorts already pinpointed it to on the one hand, proactivity you go about, and on the other one hand, vagueness is the word that you know. Yeah, balancing. <laughs> yes, I think those two words are very, um, very accurate <laughs> to describe it. Must be yes. really fun for you to see um, how the groups form and like how it all works out. Yes, yes, and also, uh, also the aspect of the interdisciplinarity. I think it is really even courageous of the students that they start uh, these projects in a in an inter multidisciplinary group. And this is something even really, well, uh, renowned uh, researchers do not have this experience. Most of the researchers stay in their own, uh, own area, in their own field. And you have this experience of doing research with, uh, with, an old, with a group of people which are diff completely different backgrounds. With, and um, you speak different languages. Also, scientifically, you have completely different backgrounds and, and different... Uh, skills and research skills etc and that that gives some extra uh tension maybe and frustration but can also be very uh, well it's also i think very valuable also for for the future yes yeah, so we talked about the honors program and about the different ilabs that are uh, part of that Janneke, could you tell us more about the ilab that we're currently doing yeah so we're doing the ilab uh, empowerment through entrepreneurship and what we're trying to do with this ilab the goal is basically to raise more awareness for the topic and to do some more research about migration and entrepreneurship. Uh, it's, it's the first year that, that this ILAP exists. So we're trying to yeah, set the scene for the next years. And yeah, so what we do is research on like the difficulties that immigrants face when they start to create their own business. Yeah, but also the empowering factors. So uh, protective factors and things that actually help them in the process. Exactly. And what we did is we made subgroups, two of three persons. We have five different topics and we all shed a light on the topic in a different way. And together, I think it, it covers everything that 
a migrant faces during his journey to become entrepreneur. As a first discussion uh, question, is migration an important topic to you? And why is it? Yes. Uh, first and foremost, um, uh, the awareness with regards to inequality, I think, is uh, in much need of um, more attention. So in the Netherlands, we're being so privileged with where our crib was <laughs> at the moment of our fortunate birth. And um, in so many other countries, this is not uh, the same situation. So I think migration and the awareness of what drives migration is uh, uh, in much need of awareness around this, as well as the refugee part of uh, migration. I think um, this also needs a lot of eye-opening perspectives on other people's situation and circumstances. I've read The Day of Empire by Amy Chua, Chua um, a Harvard Law professor, and I see uh, you nod. Um, it's, hi it's highly recommended to read this one for all the listeners out there, because all rises of empires are, uh, in this book, interlinked to the influx of migrants and new perspectives and innovation. And that was the only way an, a nation could grow. And the fall, in, in a retrospect, also was by closing off and by fear of migrants and different opinions. This is always the, has been in history, as Amy Chua demonstrated. The reason for rises and fall was because of the viewpoint on migrants. And I think that's a very important one. But last but not least, I think also the NIMBY uh, effect of migration. So not in my backyard um, idea of uh, migration is something very um, good to address because if you make it explicit why you do not want it in your background, in back garden, what's, what's the backyard? That's the, uh, what's there? Um, you can also learn for yourself. So are these... Um, Assumptions true. Is it valid? And am I fair in this? Personally, I think, uh, well, migration is, is natural. It's inevitable. And uh, I think it's very valuable also from, a, uh, I think, diversity. It creates diversity. And uh, I think uh, everyone can benefit, benefit from that, from diversity in all aspects, in all, in, all, in all different forms. So personally, I, I, I have a problem with that at all. As a researcher, I'm, I'm working on, on minority rights and, and diversity in that way, in that diversity, how, how to protect diversity, how to encourage, how to, uh, yeah, from a legal point of view, that's what I was, that was the questions I've been working on for a long time already. And, um, but uh, yes, so um, I think there are many, many positive things, but of course, the, 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 sometimes the reasons why people migrate are, are, are very, very difficult. Eh? They're very difficult situations and they see have no other choice. And of course, we've also, well, we have to also address those issues, the problems, reasons why people have to migrate because migrate, migration is not something you do for, for fun or something. We almost, uh, most of the, <laughs> it's really, uh, it's not like a holiday trip to, uh, 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 
whatever. It, it, this is something very, there are serious, serious issues going on, as you all know, and, 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 and we have to address those issues as well. Do you uh, know any migrants yourself? Personally, I know only few. Um, to give an example, we had to we sold our house last year and we had to move to a rental apartment in, in between time before we could enter our new home. And um, this was during Corona. So we came new in a street, in a uh, neighborhood, and we didn't know anybody, but we couldn't connect. So we uh, send out little uh, postcards introducing ourselves and, and thinking it will be over in uh, some weeks and then we'll introduce ourselves. So we put them in like 12, 14 of our uh, neighbors' uh, address boxes, mailboxes, and we received um, the uh, card back from one of our neighbors who was a Syria, Syrian uh, a refugee family of four. And they said, this was the first time somebody reaching out to them. Wow. And, um, you know, I, I feel ashamed because I know this is a street where there is very little migration and mixing up. And this is also in my normal life. I have very little uh, migrant interaction. It's, it's a very, um, how do you say it? English? Ethnic Dutch neighborhood. Yes, definitely. So... Uh, I, if I'm honest, I do know migrants, but I know way too little um, on a personal interactive level. It's um, so that, yeah, I must say I'm ashamed of admitting that I'm part of these, you know, uh, segregated um, sort of uh, worlds of art. Yeah, um, I live in a village and um, there is a Chinese restaurant. And uh, the owner is, uh, is also an immigrant. And um, he is like a really engaged person. He knows a lot of people from the village. And then he went to visit his family in China. And then the, um, the pandemic started. So he wasn't able to come back to, yeah, to work in his restaurant. So what happened is that there was a crowdfunding. And everyone from the village gave a lot of money to help him. And I think it was really nice to see. And when he came back, eventually from China, like the whole street was decorated and everyone was really happy that he was back. We didn't know yet that um, the situation would be the same in the Netherlands. Yeah, my point is that it's really nice to see that he is an immigrant who is really integrated and has a really positive and active uh, role in the village. And uh, yeah, I think that's a nice example of how it, how it also can go. Yeah, so it's a nice strive to, uh, to get that more than the people who say not in my backyard personally i do know a migrant i'm a migrant myself yes of course and um, i'm also an aspirant entrepreneur so i feel like uh, this elab and this whole program is something that is really personal to me and um, it's not only something that i like to do but it's something that goes straight to my heart in a way and i really appreciate it for this reason yes so um, as a migrant, like how did you feel received in the Netherlands? I felt really accepted and valued. I'm Italian and I feel like here people really appreciate Italian culture. I've never felt any kind of explicit hostility towards me. But yeah, I also think that um, 
well, at least my perspective is that um, it also depends on the country of origin that the migrant is from, how Dutch people actually react to them. So yeah, maybe with uh, Italians, like we just know that we love your food. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's a different <laughs> thing. Um, then, yeah, for example, uh, bigger minority groups in the Netherlands who are maybe looked down more upon. And Chiara, you study sociology, right? Yes, right. Uh, could you maybe tell the listeners a bit like about the positive impacts that uh, migrants have on society then? Well, sure. The main benefit is that as entrepreneurs migrate, they carry skills and ideas from one environment to another. And many migrants, entrepreneurs are highly educated and they really become innovators in the host countries. Generally speaking, migrants have a high entrepreneurial drive generally higher than the average population. And by starting businesses, they employ other workers that are both local and foreign born. I'm telling you this to dispel the biggest myth around migration. Immigrants create new jobs, they do not sell them. Actually, migration alleviates poverty through job creation and remittances, which are transfers of money towards their home countries. It's one of the largest uh, financial inflows to developing countries. So it's really relevant. And aside the economic benefits, migration ensures an increase in cultural and social diversity. Migrants entrepreneurs affect in various ways the economic, social, and cultural landscape through their entrepreneurial ventures. And their business performance really depends on their integration into local business networks. Social connections are, in fact, essential for providing migrant entrepreneurs with information about the new unknown environment and about existing opportunities. However, the hostility of the social environment toward migrants creates significant integration and assimilation problems. And as a result, migrants often form closed networks based on ethno-linguistic similarities that might hinder entrepreneurial activities due to their isolation and, as a consequence, Isolation reduces the benefit of migrant entrepreneurship. I would say that migrant per se is an investment that results in an expansion of the local economy, as well as in a growing diversity of the workforce that simulates innovation of process and products. Essentially, migration is a triple win situation because it benefits the individual well-being of migrants and it benefits both host and uh, home countries. Thanks a lot for your perspective. In psychology, we have a theory uh, called the contact hypothesis. And I think this is what is more needed because a lot of people are not in contact with migrants in the Netherlands, um, which makes it really hard to be empathic to them and to understand their situation. And this is why people start to become really us versus them thinking. So they, th they say like, this is our country. We want the Netherlands back, stay where you are or go back to your own country. And I mean, they have a point, like it is, it is our country, but migrants can add a lot to it. And I think if more people would interact with migrants, they would see that they're very similar to them, even though they come from different places and that it would be really nice to have more of them instead of less. Yeah, I'd like to add on that, um, because you say that not a lot of people are uh, like getting contact with migrants. And that might be true, but I think that 
like indirect, everyone has to do with immigrants. So, but I don't think uh, everybody is aware of that. So some people might have a negative thought about it, but I don't think they are aware of that we need them. So they are like so part of the society already without these people being aware of it. So I think that's also important with this podcast, for example, that we create that awareness and, and show the positive side. Yeah, no, you make a very good point. Um, but also my point about the contact hypothesis was that to really have that contact but and to learn from each other and then assimilate, it me- means that you have to also be on the same level, mm-hmm. have the same goals and really see each other as like valuable other people. And if that's not stimulated enough, it doesn't work either. Okay. So yeah. just knowing a migrant or like having someone working for you as a, who is a migrant is not enough to really understand them. In sociology, there is a different a difference between uh, uh, assimilation and integration. Yes. Basically, assimilation is what you, Yannick, were saying, accepting migrants and their cultures, while integration is really embracing their culture as a part of our own, which is a process of uh, something that changes endlessly. There's not a fixed uh, Dutch culture, like there's not a fixed Italian culture. And it is really important to embrace other cultures. Assimilation is that what a lot of uh, Dutch people actually want, is that migrants become really like Dutch people. So they take over the culture and they kind of leave their culture behind. Mm-hmm. Um, while integration is much more valuable because then you still have your own culture, but it becomes part of the bigger society. So it becomes more of a melting pot. Yes, exactly. So I would like to uh, thank you, Kim and Anna, for uh, being our guests in this first episode of our podcast. So by now we know what migration exactly means. Um, We know what kind of impact migration has on society. And we discussed a bit about the different aspects of migration. So basically it's a very complex phenomenon, but it's very relevant in today's society as migration is happening so often. Also, if I might add something in the future, uh, due to climate change, migration will become an even more relevant topic. Yes, for sure. So it's really good to uh, know more about it and to actually implement it. We hope that we uh, challenge you to get a new perspective on migration. And in the next episodes, we're going to give you other uh, perspectives as well. So uh, the next episode is going to be about the psychological aspects on migration and migrant entrepreneurs. So we thank you a lot for listening. We thank our guests for uh, joining us. And we would like to end with a quote. The future is equal. It's free from stigma and free from stereotypes. The future is better with migrants at the table. Thanks a lot and hope to see you next time.